And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Ground. Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. We're, we're not we're not we're not hungover or anything. We just had a, a couple of nice, you know, end of draft uh cocktails. Wood, Woodford Reserve Double Oak was ended up being my my drink of choice for the best drink of the year uh this year. But we're we're doing good. Are you doing good, Jay? I'm doing great. I'm just starting on my 2022 mock draft. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. I'm Don't not. Don't do it. <laughs> Derek Stingley Jr. Uh all right. So Here's we have a special one for you today. Um, we have we did this last year, and it's one of my favorite things to do is to uh, we're going to have director of college scouting for the Bengals, Mike Potts, as our guest, and we're going to talk through the draft. We're going to talk through the players. We're going to talk through the scenarios. We're going to talk through the scouting that went into this entire draft. Who he saw, where he saw them. Some of the freakiness, some of the the things that sold, and some of the the things that were happening up until the final hours before the draft. It was a really fun conversation um, that I had with with Mike, and I figured, you know what, might as well just share the whole thing with everybody. Why wouldn't we? Uh, and really, their whole staff—they put in so much work all year round. Um, that's from Duke Tobin to Bill Tobin to Stephen Radicevic. Uh, on the pro side, also does a lot of college work, obviously, too. And uh, Mike Potts, Andrew Johnson, Christian Sarkeesian, uh, their whole group over there um, does so much behind the scenes, and you don't hear from them, and they deserve a lot of credit uh, for a, a lot of what happened this past weekend. And uh, Mike was so kind as to join me. So I know, you, Jay, these guys are in, I mean, these guys are invaluable. And the Bengals staff, they, they people like to take – shots at the size of the scouting staff but that just makes it even more impressive what these guys actually do yeah and i mean they do more work than than most because of that but then especially when you look at this year where they had to do so much more work because you can't get to these guys so it's it's a lot of film grinding and it's it's a lot more when you're vetting these guys and you're talking to strength and conditioning coaches and high school coaches and i mean you don't just get all of those guys together at a pro day you're you're doing this over the phone over zooms um so way more in depth um process this year and yeah they are it, i i think fans will really enjoy this because it, it's it's a voice or voices that you don't typically hear from a lot and and they are so important into this whole process of of leading up to the draft and then even beyond that at the the advanced scouting and in all the work they do in that regard you know whose voices you do hear 
a lot in the lead up to the draft? Ours. <laughs> <laughs> they need a break. That's why we kind of thought, you know what you don't need to hear anymore of, especially after the last three days. You can go back and listen to the day one, day two, and final day three draft recaps are all up. If you want to hear us talking about the draft and the players and our opinions and what all, you want all of that, it's there uh, for you. If you want to read what we wrote, the Jay, you've got the, the, the roster projection is up for the year. I've got the story on the offensive line and what it what happened over the last five months and what it looks like now we've got all the the picks from the weekend there, there's so much stuff up on the site um across the dane brugler's got his reviews i mean they, you just go on to the athletic right now it's insane uh the amount of content that is up there all of that is there if you want it but we wanted to bring you inside the Bengals scouting department uh and that's why we have this conversation for you. So without further ado, uh, I will bring in Bengals Director of College Scouting, Mike Potts. All right, I'm excited to do this uh, uh, again this year. You know, I, It's one, one thing that uh, I, I really enjoy doing is having a chance to talk to the people that spend all year grinding behind the scenes for this really specifically for this one big weekend and uh, get to see all their work kind of pay off about everything that's been happening because they're finally allowed to tell us the truth of what was happening because everything else has to be under lock and key before that so that's why uh, I'm excited to bring in Mike Potts Bengals director of college scouting Mike how's it going it's going well Paul I appreciate you having me always enjoy talking to you yeah I, this is uh, first of all Congrats to everybody on your on the staff over there. I mean, from from Duke all the way down. I, I don't know that people truly understand how much work goes in all year round, and this was harder than ever. How, how, how did it um did it grind on you a little bit more, being a little bit more of a challenging year? Yeah, it was, it was a unique year. I mean, I'm I'm really proud of our guys. You mentioned you mentioned Duke, Steve Radicevic. Bill Tobin, Andrew Johnson, Christian Sarkeesian, you know, those guys uh, really do a, a lot of grinding behind the scenes that, you know, maybe maybe goes unnoticed sometimes. And and um, it was it was an extremely unique year. There's you're always you're always looking to fill in all the boxes on these guys. And there was there was just so many uh, so many different parts about this process from not being able to even go into normal school visits during the fall and, and see practice to no combine to limited medical information on these guys. So we really, had, our, our scouting staff really had to go, go the extra mile this year to uh, be able to develop a, a conviction uh, on the, on the guys that we targeted on draft day. So I can't say enough, enough good things about those guys and all the work they put in. How, how late into the process was info still coming in, specifically injury stuff? I mean, we've heard reports that it was it was up to the last hours. I mean, was that the case on people, and did that was stuff changing on your board because of late info up into the final hours, even? Absolutely, those reports. I don't know if all reports out there are true, but those reports are certainly true. Um, up until up until the day of the draft, we were still getting medical info. Um, you know the the scans and, and X-rays and, and you know the, the different um, the different medical tests that they do on on hearts and, and you know brain everything like that. You know there was there was different rates that they were coming in and, and getting to our doctors and our trainers and those guys did a great job of uh, of really really working hard to to make that as an efficient of, of a process as as they could. And um, but but yeah, there were, there were certainly tweaks that we had to make up make all the way up until draft day with with guys you know just just determining whether they were a safe bet or not medically 
What, were you guys just having to play it safe a little bit where if it felt inconclusive on the medicals, those guys just maybe more so than in any year, you had to just kind of toss some names out off the board just where maybe most years you just dig deeper or find have some better information, whereas this year you just kind of had to just kind of toss some names? Yeah, I mean, the, the doctors uh, doctors didn't get their hands on as many guys as they would have if, if, you know, there was the full combine. So we do try to put a firm grade on everybody, but but there's certainly, uh, you know, you use the word um, inconclusive. There's there, there definitely was was less confidence that we that we had in, in some guys, uh, maybe more so than others, that the uh, doctors actually got their hands on. I think it was 150 guys that ended up, ended up actually going to Indy. So, you know, maybe we had a little bit more. Uh, information medically on those guys but it was uh there, there definitely was some uncertainty there how many uh pro days did you end up going to oh man off the top of my head i'd have to uh i'd have to bring it up was but, it less than normal say, because of the limits of you know travel a little bit it was about let me let me think through it i want to say it was about 10 to 12 in that range um, so yeah, it was, it was probably a little bit less just because, because of the limitations. Uh, we could only have three people at each, at each school for these pro days, you know, scouts and coaches included. Um, so, and, and then there was, there was also places that would only allow one person from an organization hmm. into the pro day, you know, just everywhere was different with COVID restrictions in that state or County. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely, it limited us some, um, but we just had to do some more work on the, over the phones or, or on zoom, uh, you know, to get the proper exposure to the players and, and uh, you know, make sure we feel good about our evaluations. Well, it doesn't matter anymore because all the best players only play at the same six schools in college football anymore, Mike. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, we surely, uh, we surely took some, uh, Took some players from those those schools that have been really successful recently. Um, we we obviously like guys from winning programs, guys that have played at a high level and played in big games and and played big in the biggest moments. So that means a lot to us. Well, it's funny. I mean, I it, it's uh, we see a lot of teams talking about uh, themes coming out of oh, you know, they they took all these guys from this school or that school. I'm like, well, yeah, that's because that's what there's so much of college football has conglomerated to like these. You know, the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Clemsons and the Ohio States of the world. I mean, look at how many people are getting drafted from these schools every year. It's just there's such so much it, that's just centered into these schools that uh, you, you you go in there. And if you've got good intel and, con- and uh, contacts at any of those schools, it can really pay off for you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you look at the past two years in the first round, we've, we've taken guys from the same two schools, first and second round. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I feel I feel really good about the contacts we've developed uh, on our personnel staff at, at some of those major schools, especially and even some of the small schools. So, um, you know, you, especially in a year like this, you have to you have to really know that you can trust the people that you're talking to and that they're giving you accurate information. Um, and, and, and then you can, you know, you can make the right choice on draft day as opposed to some, some watered down version that maybe you're not getting the full truth there. So, um, like I said, I'm, I'm proud of our staff and the, and the connections that, that we've made and, and the contacts. And, and I feel like we got some really good information behind the scenes on the character, uh, medical and, and, you know, just the, the football intelligence and football character as well yeah. on the guys that we drafted. Uh, let's start with scouting, uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Obviously, because you scouted Joe Burrow and you were at those, you know, we talked last year about the the Alabama LSU game in Clemson, which I, I, I or, or excuse me, the Alabama LSU game in Tuscaloosa. But I, you know, I think you you were talking about how 
I mean, we had to go back and look at how many drafted players and first and second round players were on the field that day. But I mean, you know, he's one of them there. But what you were familiar with him, but what did you learn kind of going back into the process and really studying him this year that that set him apart? Honestly, I, I knew about him. Um, going into, I think I told you last year when we were talking about Burrow, uh, going into the Vanderbilt game, that uh, was the, was the first the first game that year in the 2019 season that I saw LSU live, and um, you know there was last year was the best wide receiver class I can I can ever remember. Um, I've been doing this uh, ten years now, um, and and last year's receiver class was phenomenal. But you know I, I left that Vanderbilt game. Uh, just thinking to myself and, and talking to some other scouts that were there, I'm like, wow, you know, there's there's a ton of really good receivers uh, in the country, but the best one is right here at LSU, and he can't even he can't even enter, enter this year's draft class because he's a true sophomore. I want to say he had almost 230 yards in that game, 10 catches, like four touchdowns, um, and it was it was just an extremely impressive performance. So that that sticks with you, and then yeah, you go to the Alabama game that you mentioned. I was there live. And, on the on the first uh, series of the game, I want to say he uh, has that big touchdown down down the right sideline on a go ball against Diggs, who ended up starting this year for the Cowboys. Um, but you know, so, so we we've obviously seen all of all of the balls that were thrown Jamar Chase's way throughout his career, just doing doing all the work that we did on Joe last year. Uh, but then going back and really focusing on him, um, it, it, you know, he stands out even more. Just, just how explosive he is, how dynamic he is with the ball in his hands, um, how physical he is. You know, it's it, it's a it's an impressive combination of, of traits that he has. Um, and then and then when you really, like I said, we we've developed a lot of good contacts down there at LSU, obviously. And um, I feel like I, I know a ton of guys really well on their staff. And just when you dig into how much this kid loves football and how much he ended up opting out, obviously, but it, it just how much it really killed him uh, to have to watch his teammates play on Saturdays this year and, and, and miss out on that. You know, every, every guy that, that didn't play this year, you know, obviously has, has their own reasons that, that we respect. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think it was it was it meant it meant a lot to him to uh, to, to miss that and, and, and uh, you know he he really missed playing and, and everybody he talked to there just talks about how much he loves loves the game so um, you know it, it was it, it was a lot of a lot of things that we already knew uh, through through watching their the run LSU had in 2019 but I think it just magnified magnified him when we really focused in on him um, in 2020 and then and then talking to all the people that know him as well I mean you also get a guy who then goes out at his pro day. Did you go to the pro day or was that? I was actually at Florida. It was, yeah. it was the same day. So you were at Florida um, so. with Zach and then Duke was at LSU. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, then, then he has this pro day because that was really, how much were you interested in the pro days for the opt out guys this year to see specifically, like, did they take it serious? Did they take care of themselves? Did they make sure they were ready? Was that a big part too? Because then Chase comes out and answers those questions in a big way at his pro day, and I wonder how much of effect that had to tipping the scales toward him too. It, it meant a ton. It meant a ton. Um, you know, obviously, you see, you you evaluate him on tape and you see what his play speed is. You kind of have estimates that the staff gave you on his 40 time, his height, weight, uh, you know, shuttle time jumps, things like that. Um, you know, let's be honest, this, this guy, his tape was so phenomenal in 2019 that he probably couldn't have pushed. He he probably could have went out and not pushed himself as hard as he did 
over the, over this uh, this 2020 season and and training for the pro day and still been a been a top 10 pick. But he went out for him to go out and just dominate his pro day. I've, I've got a couple coaches down there that that I trust that said. You know, if you had any hesitation on us telling you how much this kid loves football and how much drive he has to him, uh, I, th- I think he, he obviously answered those questions and, and gave you the proof there with, with how, how well he, he did at the pro day. I mean, he, he blew it up and um, it was it was extremely impressive. And it makes you feel good that, that he was it's football is really important to him. And, um, you know, he was he was working extremely hard to prepare for that day. I mean, while we're talking about freaky pro days, you went to Florida. Like what is it? What is it like to watch Kyle Pitts do what he was doing? I mean, that's 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 just un- unreal stuff. Unreal, yeah. I mean, we, we don't we don't like to uh, throw around the word rare too often because yeah, I feel like that needs to be reserved for for unique, you know, high end players. But I mean, he's he's about as unique as it gets. Um, I, I had already seen him uh, seen him multiple times in person, but you know, for for him to just kind of verify the movement and athleticism at that pro day was. Uh, like you said, like you said, freaky and, and, and rare. I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of words you could you could use to describe him and, and, and you know a few other guys in this draft class as well. There was there was some really really high end talent we thought at the top of the draft. Yeah, I, I, he's going to be a fun guy to see how he plays for Atlanta and wherever you know his entire career. Just because it's like you only get guys like this so often that 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 take you out of even defining what the position even means, you know? Because there's like Florida calling him the unicorn. I mean, it's like you got to you got to almost rethink offense as a whole when you have somebody like that at your at, you know, your disposal. Absolutely. And uh, as you know, I, I worked in Atlanta before uh, coming to, to Cincinnati. And, you know, th- those guys were ecstatic about, about getting Kyle. Um, you know, I, I think they, they thought he was one of, if not the best player in the draft. And um, they were they were extremely excited. So there was there was a lot of text and phone calls uh, between myself and those guys just congratulating them on that pick. And uh, he's a heck of a player. I'm looking forward to watching him. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What is the Burrow factor? I mean, and, and obviously, you know, you factor in the comfort that you know Joe has throwing to him, but also... I'm, I was kind of curious along these lines. Like, does when you have somebody like Joe, who isn't just someone who was his quarterback, but is the leader of your team now, and and like so much the voice of the, your team, and and garnered so much respect at LSU, doesn't it? Does it make Jamar Chase a more predictable evaluation because you really do feel like with Joe here, you there it just ups the chances you're going to get the most out of. Jamar Chase when he does come here because you know you have him and Joe together and the respect that there is there in that in the work factor in that you know Joe's going to be working extra all the time and if Jamar's doing that too we you know he's he's more will more able and more likely to do that when you know a guy like Joe's kind of leading the way yeah absolutely that's that's certainly a factor um that's that's well said you know the way you put that i i don't think jamar is going to want to let joe down um i think he's going to come in and, and be motivated to uh prove that they can put the same numbers up that they did in in college at, at lsu that they can do some of the similar things here in the nfl um you've you've got the the comfort level with you know joe coming off of the injury so you know who knows how much time he he gets uh, how much work he gets physically in, in the off season with the receivers. Um, so they've they already had that chemistry, obviously. Um, and then as far as him picking up our playbook and all that, you know, they we've we've got a lot of similar uh, similar concepts and similar terminology. And you know, maybe if there is a mix up, Joe Joe can uh, tell Jamar like, hey, hey, this is what we used to call this. And and you know, you you've got that that comfort level there, that chemistry. Um, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's not the it would never be the the main factor on on why we uh why we take a guy but it, it certainly doesn't hurt and um you know I'm I'm glad that we've got that going for us considering the the elite prospects here i mean it, it's really because you have you have two obviously you know the of the big the big 3 that were out there with with Sewell and Chase and Pitts you have you have two premier positions but the you know debate out there about how you know, what's the most important in building a team in today's modern game? And then you have the tight end, which has constantly been devalued in this freak guy. How much did you guys find yourself in the room discussing philosophical, like big picture philosophical things about the where the direction of the NFL is going when trying to decide amongst some of these top elite guys? Because it just seemed like you guys were in such a unique position where it's like there was a lot of that, like how you view where the game is going almost was a part of the conversation about how you maybe would view who to take here. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a great point. There's, there were, to answer your question, there's a ton of conversation on not only that, but obviously every other possible angle that you could, you could evaluate this, this choice from, you know, whether it's, whether it's, do we trade, whether it's, do we, do we trade back? Do we trade up? How, if we trade, how far do we go? Um, you know, the, you had some unique players that, that can really, we think Jamar can, you know, transcend our offense and and put it where where we want it to be. Obviously, you, you mentioned Pitts and Sewell. We think those guys would have been phenomenal players players for us as well. It was it was a good spot for us to be in, um, where, where you you know you're going to get a really good player. We just determined from from the individual evaluation of Jamar, we thought he was the best 
the best fit for us. And then also you, you, you have to, you have to look, you have to trust your draft board. You, you evaluate probably, you know, I don't, I don't even know the exact number of, of guys we have reports on, but it's probably, it's probably somewhere around a thousand, give or take. And um, obviously that gets pared down uh, a ton, but, but, you know, you evaluate all these guys, you put your draft board together, you continue tweaking it. Like I said, all the way up until, until the day of the draft, even this year. Um, and you, you have to trust where, what positions are heavy, what positions are, are light where you know you, you run we ran through a million different scenarios of of you know if, if we take this guy here can we get this guy here can we take can we get this guy maybe in the third round um so you know that's a long way of answering your, your question as far as yeah the, the way the game's headed the way this draft is you know plays out you know who who can be the best player for us not only in the future but um but this year give, give us a chance to be the best team this season there's, there was just so many. You know, we, we, we would we would need a, a lot longer time than this podcast to discuss all the all the scenarios that that we threw out there. Well, I mean, it's funny because you know, I, I, people, Bengals fans, would talk to me about stuff like that and about how the debate and it was you know the Bengals civil war of fans were on this side or that side or this. And I'm like, you think you guys are grinding over this? Imagine being the people responsible in the room. That's what and, and how much and. Uh, that must have just been like wearing on you guys trying to talk through that because, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's so many different ways and there was no bad answer. And that was really, to me at the end of the day, like I, I thought that the, that, like you said, there was just these, when there, you have these premier guys, there's no wrong answer. It's a matter of best path in the big picture, I guess. And that obviously it seems like that's where you guys netted out on it too. Yeah, I, th- I think that that was certainly part of it. We um, look any any time you take a guy and you're projecting, you know, this guy may be there. It's in the second, third round, whatever it is. It's a risk, you know. We, we we've got certain guys that that we targeted, and you don't know for sure that they're going to be there. But when you've got a group of guys that you think may be there in the uh, in the next round, I think it played out well for us the the way that it did play out there were there were certainly some some receivers we could have targeted later on um a lot of them ended up going before before we uh we would have had a chance to take them so you know you go through the scenario of 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 trading up from the second round or trading up from the third round and uh you know I'm, i'm just happy with with the way it played out um I know. I know a lot was was made publicly about the depth of certain certain positions. When you when you really dial in on, on these guys, there's probably a lot you know medically or character wise that that isn't out there publicly that that maybe would ding guys on on certain teams' draft boards and, and move them move them down or, or even up in, in certain cases. So um, you know, it, it maybe was a little bit different at certain spots than it was perceived to be publicly, but um, with the way. We our, our board played out. You know, we we thought that was the best the best path to take. And on top of that, we thought Jamar was you know just from an individual assessment of him, we thought he was the best player for us. Well, you look. I think it was eleven of thirty three, thirty picks, something like that, were offensive linemen between basically between your two picks. You know, I mean, it's like they were just flying off the board, and it was, and that was kind of exactly what. The thought was was that it would you, the big group would be there where there's a lot of guys that you could choose from. Carmen in particular, what what stood out to you um, about him? What what made him the guy in that spot? Yeah, I mean he's he, we talk about it all the time. Just the the division we play in and how how much of a 
big man's division it is. You, we need big, physical, athletic guys, and and that's what that's what Jackson Carmen is. Um, you know, he's he's going to be going for from blocking for the number one pick uh, in this year's draft to the number one pick from last year's draft. Um, and, and he's done it at a high level there at left tackle. We think he's got tackle and guard flexibility. Uh, he's, a, he's a violent player. That's that's what stands out to me. Um, when, when we went through our meetings, he's been a guy that since we first met uh, back in back in January, he, he was a guy that that we really had targeted, um, you know, as, as like I said, a, a potential guard or tackle option. But um, the, the physicality stands out. The athleticism stands out. And um, he he had the he had the minor back procedure that he had after the year, and and I don't know if this is out there publicly or not, but he was playing through that the second half of the year. I think the, at least the last five games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gives us confidence that that he's gonna he's gonna. There's more there than even what he showed on tape, and his tape was extremely impressive in our opinions. Um, there there was every reason in the world that that he could have used that injury to opt out like a lot of guys did. But if you have question about this guy's toughness, his love for football and the drive that he has, it's similar to what I was saying, saying about Jamar chase and, and the way he, he proved with, with how he blew up his pro day. This, this guy easily could have, could have tapped out and went and, you know, had the, had the back procedure mid season and, um, you know, went and went and trained for the draft, but he fought through it with his, with his teammates. You know, he, he ended up playing in some big games. They, they obviously went to the, to the playoffs and um that that gives you a level of comfort when you draft a guy like that and and you know that's that's what he fought through during the uh during this past season yeah i mean is that you guys did made the decision to trade back there out from 38 and you end up you know watching as all of a sudden everyone else in the whole league decides to trade too (laughs) i mean it was a, a an insane hour I'm curious what that hour was like for you guys because you have the guys obviously circled and underlined that you want and and you're hoping that whoever's going to slip and now everyone's coming up and people are doing things and all these and these offensive linemen are going off. I'm curious what that's like stress level wise for you guys that that time in between 38 and 46. Yeah, it's it's pretty hectic. Um you you you've got guys that you you have targeted at the same time, you've, you've done all the work up until that point and you've got the board right in front of you and you, and you let it play out. You know, if, if, you know, a couple of the guys that we had targeted, maybe would have went, maybe we would have had to make a move back up. But we felt pretty good with Jackson, a guy that we were targeting there. We felt pretty good that he would be there at 46. Um, and, and again, you, you, like I talked about before, you don't move back unless there's a group of guys that you would be comfortable there comfortable with there um and then there was there, there was numerous uh, trade conversations we had there, there was some interest in, in moving up to that pick 38 um you know talks with a number of teams and we went back and forth with new england a couple times and then and then once we threw out the the scenario to get the two fourth round picks we just thought it was it was too good of a deal for us to pass up and then, then ended up working out and we got the guy that we targeted back there at 46 as, as well as i believe Two other really talented players there uh, in that deal with with the uh, the two additional fourth round picks. Yeah, I mean, it really did. Talk, it just opened up the weekend for you guys. I mean, and it allowed you guys to do a lot of different things on day three and check a whole lot of boxes and double up at a, at a number of different spots and make sure you got the kicker you wanted and 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 you know you still you're able to still get the running back here. It just seemed like you know. 
was that something that from the very beginning you guys kind of looked at and said, yeah, I think, you know, let's, let's plan for something like that to happen. Be ready for a big day three, even though it's not right now, because it just see, feels like it's setting up that way for that to be a good thing to do. Or was that something that I'm not going to say took you by surprise at all, but that kind of, you know, wasn't as much like a set in stone plan. It's, it's one of the scenarios that we felt the best about when we were, when we were discussing, you know, when we set the initial board, um, probably a couple of weeks before the draft. And then, you know, you, you never know how it's going to play out. You see, you see how the first 32 picks in the first round and end up playing out. And then, you know, like, like we talked about um, before the call, we, we uh, were up early on the second day of the draft and, you know, you're texting and calling buddies around the league, you know, just about different interest levels, um, you know, moving up, moving back at that spot. And like I said, there, there was a lot of a lot of interest. And, you know, that was that was a scenario that we felt good about. As, as a as a possibility you know leading leading up to the draft weeks before and then and then you know once once we saw how much interest was there and the grouping of guys that we, we would be comfortable with if we slid back a little bit I don't think we wanted to slide back too far because you know that it's not there, there's not maybe a group of 10 15 10 to 15 guys you feel good about with that pick but um, I, I don't have the the draft board in front of me to give you an exact number of the the grouping of guys we would have felt good about but um, you know, you move back. You feel like you can get a really good player, and then I think it's a no-brainer when when you get the uh, two additional fourth-round picks and and guys that you know are, are potential uh, starters or guys that can develop into starters down the line for you. So um, it it uh, it was it, turned, it went from a possibility and, and something that we that we uh, felt good about to to a no-brainer. You know, once the uh, the final trade offer that we felt best about came through. Yeah. What is that number? Like not not exactly this time, but like if you if you go back eight picks, do you need to see four comfortable? Is it like a half? Do you fifty need fifty percent of the space? Like how do you guys judge that? Or do you need eight? You need to say, hey, we feel comfortable about eight guys. Or how do you typically judge that when when you know any of the many many offers come in over the course of a weekend? We have eight just for absolute worst case scenario. Yeah. But you look at team needs, you look at what they've already addressed in the first round position wise. So that lowers the likelihood. Maybe they're going to take the position that you target. Um, so there's a lot of analysis that, that goes into it and it can all happen in real time. It, it happens leading up, you know, in the, in the days and weeks leading up to the draft. And then it happens all day on that, on that day two of the draft to prepare for that scenario. So there's a lot that goes into it. It's hard in, in every scenario to put an exact number, you know, a percentage, 50, 75%, whatever it is. But um, in that scenario, we did a lot of research on, on the teams that were, that were there. And, and um, you know, we, we had a grouping of guys that, that we felt good about, but to answer your question, yeah, we, we had eight guys, you know, just to prepare for that worst case scenario, but we felt good about getting, uh, you know, one of our top guys. Yeah. Uh, Osai out of Texas uh, in the third round. Um, obviously his, everybody starts talking about his effort is that when you guys started with him was that kind of some of the draw there was just man this is a guy who's just going to give you that relentless effort that's gonna you know just be kind of contagious absolutely it's that's a good word contagious in in that room we've got a lot of high effort high motor guys play with play with you know a lot of physicality and urgency and that's what this guy is. I'm, 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 you know, really happy that we got him. He's, he's explosive. I'm sure you saw the pro day numbers, you know, 41 and a half inch vertical jump, 10, 11 broad jump, uh, ran, ran fast. He's extremely long. 
um, like I said, play, plays physical and, and he's going to, uh, he's going to be disruptive. You know, ho- hopefully he has a high, high sack number for us, but he, even if, if not, you know, I think you can count on him moving the quarterback off his spot. And then we've got other guys that can come in and clean it up as well. So I think it's a, it's a good combination. Um, you know, the, uh, the element that, that he adds to, uh, to our room and, um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to to address that position, and um, and he's a he's a player that we targeted going into the draft. Yeah, I mean he's he's a lot. There were a lot of there were a lot of edges this year. It seemed like that. Did, did it feel that way for you? Where like there was just kind of like the offensive lineman in that group where all the you know whatever it was eleven go off in the thirty picks. I mean, it seemed like there were a lot of edges where maybe there wasn't obviously the high high end this year, but the quantity of it maybe fit you guys better. Absolutely, that's one of the spots that we really liked the depth going into it. Uh, there was there was a number of guys in that second, third, fourth, you know, even late with with Wyatt Hubert to get him in the seventh round. I mean, it's is unbelievable in my opinion. So there there was there was a ton of depth. We thought at that position uh, more so than than some others maybe. So we we knew that was a spot that we wanted to we wanted to address. It was just just a matter of uh, how the board played out and, and the value in certain rounds. Uh, sample too. I mean, Cameron Sample out of Tulane. Absolutely. Same, Absolutely. same thing, right? Relent has that same kind of. It's we're noticing this. That's that common thread. Is that something that was kind of stated at the beginning of the off season at all? Of like, let's try to find more of that of that kind of relentlessness out of some of our guys. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned with our division, you you want to create an identity, and um, you know we, we want physical, urgent, tough, high effort, high energy guys. You know that that are bringing bringing energy into the building during the week and on game day. Guys that play hard, and um, you know I, I think we did a good job of of addressing that in 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 this draft and and also in free agency as well. Prior to the draft, you know there's there's a certain brand of, of player that we want. We've had like a, like I mentioned with uh, some of the some of the discussions leading up to the draft. You know there, there's a ton of ton of discussions on scenarios, and then there's a ton of discussions on. On just what what do we want this team to look like? What what brand of player do we want? And um, I think we came away with uh, with a lot of guys that fit that mold. Do you play the game of uh, of watching guys that you wanted that but didn't get, and watching them closely on Sundays, like uh, this year, as you watch games? Is that or do you or is that too frustrating? Um, you always watch watch guys that you scouted. You know, you you want to. As a scout, you you want to um, you know evaluate yourself and, and see how guys are, are playing in the league, and you know maybe you're a little high on a guy, maybe you're a little too low on on another guy, maybe you hit another guy perfectly right, you know according to, to how he's playing in the league. Now, obviously, everybody's in different scenarios, different uh, systems schematically, uh, depending on on the coach that they're playing for. Um, or the or the teammates that they're playing with, so you know everything's not an even playing field in that regard. But for sure, you know when when there's guys that you spend a lot of time scouting and getting to know uh, both as a player and and their personal their background and their character, you know you spend a lot of time on these guys. So you want to um, you know evaluate yourself uh, number one, but then also also you you've invested a lot of time in, in a lot of these players and you want to see how they do in the league and then you know maybe there's a chance down the line that, that you can acquire them whether it's on their second contract or if they you know if it doesn't work out somewhere and they, they get waived maybe you can pick them up on waivers or, or as a street free agent so 
um, yeah, that's that, that's something that that I always do. I mean, I'm, I mean, most of my time during the during the fall is is spent evaluating college players, but certainly always always watching watching around the league on on Sundays for you know to see how guys are doing that that I scouted coming out. Um, maybe the most one of the more surprising picks, just based on position, uh, was Tyler Shelvin. You know, you guys, you have Reader there, and and Tupo, and Ronell Wren, and and but what what was it? Was that just a matter of like we're we just can't like this this guy can be too good. We're just not going to let this guy go by. Is that kind of the basics of why you guys liked him so much? Yeah, for sure. Like like I mentioned, when you pick up those those extra fourth round picks, and you've got a guy that that is still sitting there that you think you think can be a a high end player in what he does in terms in terms of stuffing the run uh first and foremost um he he does some elite things in in the run game um obviously we didn't get to see it this past year with the opt-out situation but when you go back go back to 2019 he i mean that guy that guy's hard to move uh can take on double teams and even triple teams and Again, I, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record talking about our division, but but it's it, it is a physical division where, where we need these big bodies to stop the run game. Um, you know, we, we need to, we needed to beef up that line of scrimmage. I know we have I know we have DJ who's an excellent nose tackle, but you can't you know you, you can't have too many uh, too many guys that are that are big and physical in there on the interior. And then and then I think we did a good job of complementing that with guys that have a little bit more pass rush to them as well. So. We just thought at that point in the draft, uh, for that guy to still be there, you know, a guy, we thought he was a guy that can come in and have a real impact on our on our defensive line, and um, and we're glad that we got him where we did. Is that is is that is this is a too simplified analysis to just say you guys kind of learned that lesson last year? I know Zach said with us on Saturday night. I just I didn't want to go through that again. A year of picking guys up off the street in week twelve and week thirteen, and you know all year really it seemed like to, on the in the trenches. It was that just kind of a lesson learned of last year? Uh, you know, sort of an adjustment in the in focusing on that and focusing so much on just looking more the part in the AFC North? Yeah, there, there was some of that, but but then some of it is is uh, also just the individual evaluation of Tyler Shelvin. I mean, he's he, he does some unique things now. You know, he, he's not just, you know, it's not just, oh, we moved down and, and he was our next nose tackle and we had, uh, you know, DJ Reader got hurt last year, Josh Tupau opted out last year, and Ronell Wren got heard in training camp last year. So those are three of our biggest bodies. And like you said, we're picking guys up off the street. So yeah, certainly you're, you're scarred by that to a certain degree. You don't want that to happen again, but at the same time, it's, it's not just, it's not just, Oh, we, you know, we, we had to take Tyler Shelvin cause he was the next guy on the list. I mean, he, he does some unique things that, that we are, we're really excited about, um, about having him here. And, and he, uh, I think he used the opt out season well to, to clean up his body. I think he got his weight down a little bit. He showed up in good shape at the, at the pro day. And, uh, we're, we're really excited to see, um, you know, him, him come up, come to this level, get NFL coaching, um, obviously coming from, a, from, you know, one of the best programs in college football as it is, but, um, we really think the, uh, the upside is high with him. And it helps when somebody you pick has carried your quarterback off the field after a victory at some point. But <laughs> by himself, by the way, like didn't need a second person. No, just I got it. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it does not hurt at all that uh, that he's got the relationship with with a number of guys that that we have on our team. So you know, he's coming. I think he's from Lafayette, Louisiana. So he's coming a far away from home, and uh, 
you know, it, it just adds to the comfort level, hopefully, that he'll have here, and, and hopefully it, it'll make that tr- transition to Cincinnati that much smoother. Uh, what did you like about Dante Smith? Uh, he he he's extremely impressive. I I really liked his his tape this year, but he was playing down in the two eighties. Uh, come he had a bunch of uh, COVID you know quarantine type issues and only ended up playing in one game. So you had to go back to two thousand nineteen and and you know the the weight you know the, there's the weight discrepancies there. And then he shows up at the Senior Bowl at a at a higher at a higher weight and then even higher at the pro day. He shows up at three hundred five. Um, but extremely long, quick feet. Um, you know, this the, the guy at the Senior Bowl was was one of the better offensive linemen there in some of the one on one pass rush stuff. I mean, he uh, you know he can mirror guys in pass protection. He's also physical. He can accelerate his feet on contact. Uh, so the upside is is extremely high with him. Um, I, you know, we, we like some of the guys that that we've added to that offensive tackle room. Um, you know, who, who knows if. Uh, if, if he'll push, we're, we're hoping he comes in and, and, and pushes the guys here year one. But certainly, if, if, if not the, the rookie year and uh, and we, we don't have, have the need and, and, and don't get nicked up, knock on wood, at that position, um, he, he's a guy that we're extremely excited about his, his upside for the future. And uh, he certainly has, has starting traits. And, and if he, he can put it all together and, you know, keep that keep that weight up, uh, you know, up above 305 range, he's a, he, he's got a chance to be a really good player. All right, let's just take a quick break. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. Are there a lot of examples of guys that put on, especially at that level, I feel like you know, you're normally a, a, in college playing at the weight that you can play at and still be who you need to be fast enough or whatever. Is there is I mean, is there a lot of examples of guys that just put on the extra 20 pounds or whatever they need and it really takes them to the next level that you guys maybe cited when looking at a guy like that? There is, yeah, and, and that's part of the scouting process. You know, we, we kind of uh, – each, each guy's unique. He, he's coming from East Carolina, you know, not, not a Power 5 uh, program, but also not the smallest school in the world. And, and you know, we, we communicate the, these things as scouts who say, hey, this is what we're getting from, you know, this is where this guy's coming from from a nutrition standpoint. This is what his personal character, his family background is. And we kind of develop a, uh, a game plan for putting this guy in the most successful situation um, you know, to, to be able to, to make an impact as, as quickly as possible for us. So that's that's communication between the scouts, the coaches, the nutrition staff, the strength staff, our player development people. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of an all hands on deck approach, and um, that's that's our job as scouts to describe 
describe to the to to the rest of our, our staff here you know maybe maybe where, where a guy could use a little bit more support or, or maybe where he's been successful at in the past and and no two guys are the same so each uh, each guy kind of has a unique and, and detailed plan and, and that's something that I think we've, do, we've done a good job with uh, over the past couple of years that's fantastic I got to tell you though uh, I don't think he's gonna have trouble keeping the weight on if it had anything to do with his draft party because we did the zoom with him afterwards and it looked like the most <laughs> The most badass cookout I've ever seen. Like you could see the smokers in the background. All these people. I was like, man, I, I, I wish you could. I wish the smells could come through the zoom on this one because it looks incredible down there. It looked it looked great. Uh, at tr- ticking off the last few that you guys went through on day three. Obviously McPherson from Florida. We talked with Darren about him the other day. I mean, you know, just his his distance that in in and some of the the ways that he kicked. Obviously Darren was a big fan of Evan. Yeah, uh, I was I was with uh, it was myself, um, Darren and Zach were, were down there at the at the Florida Pro Day, and we were we were blown away by by his workout. It was it was you know as up there with 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 as good of uh, a kicker workout as I've seen um, at a pro day for sure. Uh, the, the ball jumps off his foot, um, you know, gets gets. Uh, a ton of rise on his kicks and, and, and his kickoffs are, are, are uh, tremendous as well. Did some, did some phenomenal things with, with onside kicks, getting creative there. Uh, the, the people at the school really like him. He's, he, he's got a confidence about him, which is what you like in a kicker. Um, you know, he's, he's not mentally weak or, or anything like that. And we've, uh, we, we've got some, some good sources down there. You know, I, I know uh, Darren had talked about, Shane Graham, um, who uh, he and I talked to down there at the pro day, and then and then the rest of the staff at Florida really really likes this guy. He, he jumped on my radar. Honestly, I didn't know he was going to come out early coming into this season. I didn't know he was a guy that was going to come out as a junior. But I was at Florida's opener against Ole Miss at Ole Miss, and I believe he hit a fifty-five yarder mm. in that game early in that game, and um, that that was when he like really really first jumped on my radar week one this year of like, you know, I, I better start tracking this guy because he's got, he's got a real big time leg and, um, and, you know, just throughout the process, he, he continues to, to impress you, you know, kind of culminating with that pro day. I visited with him a little bit after the pro day and enjoyed talking to him. And, um, we're just, you know, we're, we're excited to, excited to have him. That's, that's an important position that can, that can win you uh, a lot of games. You know, that can, that can be the difference, uh, the difference in multiple games and in, in your win loss column. So, um, he's a guy we're excited to add there. Well, how do you guys go into discussing, and how did you talk through the strategy of when to do that? You know, I mean, you you guys were one of the the primary teams still in need of a kicker. I mean, uh, but it's like, okay, do you do it? Do you wait? Do you decide out? Let's just there's a, a couple of them, and we could do a priority free agent. Do you wait? Say, well, we're going to wait and see what the board really looks like at that point, or do you always kind of have in mind, especially once you guys made that trade? Hey. The, that's the time when the first kicker typically comes off the board. Let's just kind of have an idea that that's when we'll do it. Or I, I'm just curious how the strategy plays out with a position like that. Um, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Obviously, you, you've got to look around the league and um, you know see, see who who maybe has shaky kicker situations, or you know it could be a contract situation as well with the kicker. You look at the the interest level around the league and, and get a feel for the buzz. On uh, Evan specifically, we thought he was the the head and shoulders the the best kicker 
in the draft and, and really the only guy that we felt good about drafting at any level. Um, and then, you know, you're at the pro day, there's a ton of special teams coordinators at the Florida pro day. So you're, you're looking around of, of teams that could have a high level of interest in them. Um, we ended up acquiring the two additional fourth round picks. So you address some other needs there. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it, you know, he's the guy that we wanted. We didn't want other people to make the decision for us and try to get too cute and get patient and maybe miss out on the guy. It's, it's similar to the, situ- the situation that I'm talking about when you look at the draft board and there's depth and groupings at certain positions. When there's only one guy that you feel really good about, you go get your guy. I think that's 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 my philosophy on it, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, and kickers similar to quarterback that way. They're, you know, there's only one of them on on your uh, you know on the field, you know, playing and on that rep. And um, you know whether whether you have to take them a half a round higher than than maybe you you thought you could have got them. Um, I think I think when there's a guy that you target, you go get them. And um, we're we're happy with the with the way it played out. Uh, Trey Hill uh, from Georgia. What did you? Uh, what, what do you see as far as development factor with him? Trey's a good player. Um, he, you know, he's he's got center guard flexibility. He's been he's been starting down there at Georgia primarily at center, but he but he played some some guard as well uh, in the Arkansas game this year. I know I remember off the top of my head. Um, I believe he's a two and a half year year starter for him. I tell you what, he. Um, the deal with him is he had bilateral meniscus cleanup after the season, uh, you know, missed the last two games and his testing numbers athletically were not, were not great at the pro day. But when you watch his tape, um, this guy's a sudden quick, uh, guy for a big body. He, he was, he was three nineteen at the pro day, but he was playing up in the three thirties. Um, and this guy can get out of his stance and, and cut people off in the run game. He's quick sliding laterally and pass pro there's suddenness and twitch in his body that maybe you wouldn't see in his pro day testing numbers, um, coming off of the surgery. And just like a, just a little scouting nugget that makes me feel good about him. When I talk, when I talk to, uh, you know, people I trust on, on Georgia's staff, they told me they raved about how good of a basketball player this guy is and how much bounce he has. And he can dunk with ease at 330 pounds. So you go to the pro day and his, uh, his trainers advised him to not do the jumps coming off those meniscus, uh, deals. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think, I think it would be a different deal. Um, if, if you would have, uh, you know, if you would have been fully healthy and had a full allotment of time to train for that pro day, I think his numbers would have been better because I strongly believe that, um, his, when you, when you evaluate his tape at Georgia, he moves around a lot better maybe than those numbers would suggest. He's smart. He's a high character guy. He's tough and he's, he's long and he's got versatility to play, to play all three interior spots. So we were, we were very excited to get him in the sixth round. His, his tape is better than the sixth round. I feel strongly about that. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe because of those, uh, the knee cleanups after the season and as a result, potentially the testing numbers, not looking quite as good. He was available to us in the sixth round. And I think the guys, I think the guys got a chance to, uh, to really compete for us and, and add to that offensive line room. You sold me on him. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Evans. I, I, I'm, I love this pick. I'm fascinated by this pick in that his pro day is off the charts. I mean, it's like the relative athletic score. I don't know how close you guys follow that. Is like one of the rarest ones they've they've ever had in the position. His senior bowl obviously was great, but he just didn't play a lot at Michigan. And I'm curious how you guys 
It was a matter of we need to answer that question with Chris Evans. Like, why didn't he play? And, and, or were you guys kind of figure out the answer to that at the end of it maybe was we don't really know and we don't care? I don't, I'm just curious how the evaluation went on a guy like that. Yeah, our, our scouts did a, did a great um, a great job of, of digging. You know, when, when you look at the stat line, obviously there's some questions to answer. And we see him at the senior bowl and he's – He's running routes. He's getting singled up on linebackers and safeties and, and breaking guys off. He's got he's got great hands, and then he and then he goes and blows up the pro day. We already had you know information from their their staff that he was going to test extremely well. Um, so when when you what you see at the Senior Bowl adds up with the testing numbers, then this, then our, our scouts uh, Andrew Johnson and Bill Tobin um, did. Uh, you know, Bill obviously has a has a heck of a relationship with um, with their head coach up there, Jim Harbaugh, um, and uh, and Andrew Andrew did did a ton of more work behind the scenes. We uh, we just felt felt really good about this guy. He got lost in the shuffle after the uh, the academic dust up that he had, um, but he showed perseverance. He showed you know I keep talking about drive and determination with these guys. You know, he could he could have hung it up. He could have he could have went and transferred to a smaller school and. You know, done, done. You know, whatever he needed to do, but you know, he he was. I, I think it's been put out there that he's working multiple jobs, and uh, you know, it, it was it was. Uh, you'd have to you'd have to get a direct quote from him. I don't want to put words in, in his mouth, but I'm sure it was a humbling experience for him. Um, and then and then he comes back and he's he's down the depth chart a little bit, but he's clearly more talented than that. And to get a guy like that in the in the sixth round with our second of the two sixth round picks, we thought the value was was phenomenal there and um I'm, I'm really excited to see him i think i think his best football is potentially ahead of him uh, i i yeah I'm, I'm really fascinated to see how how he looks when when kind of given the chance uh wyatt yeah. hubert uh from kansas state you know you guys i i i want to do a story on this and i'm gonna have to do some research on it uh, there aren't too many teams that have had more success in the seventh round <laughs> than you guys have, particularly in the last five to ten years, between Fedge and Auden Tate alone, uh, not even getting some of the other guys. But uh, what did you like about Hubert? And is he the latest in the line of seventh round contributors that you guys seem to be uncovering? I hope so. I'll tell you what we we uh, we really had to stay true to our to our board, and and he was he just stuck out like a sore thumb. He was he was clearly our highest graded player that was still there in the seventh round. Um, it's a similar conversation to what I was saying with, with Trey Hill, where the tape is better maybe than, than some of the measurables, some of the explosive uh, testing um, that he put up at his pro day. And, um, you know, not the longest guy in the world in, in terms of arm length, but um, Christian Sarkeesian, or, you know, one of our other scouts put me on to him, um, you know, early on dur- during the season he fell in love with this tape, and uh, he, he was like, "Hey, you know, th- th- this guy's a real guy. You, you need to, you need to get a, another look at this guy and, uh, and cross-check him." And I love this tape as well. I mean, he, he plays with his hair on fire. Um, another guy we're talking about with extreme urgency and physicality, really productive as well. You know, t- ton of sacks there uh, at K State, and then uh, he went to the Senior Bowl and did some really good things as well. They they didn't have as quite as many big bodies. Uh, there at the Senior Bowl on the interior D line, so I thought um, I thought those guys at the Senior Bowl did a really good job of kind of showing off the versatility. And you could throw Cam Sample in this group as well, um, where they they put some of these um, defensive ends and allowed them to kick inside and rush over the guard 
and show their uh, their prowess as interior pass rushers. So Wyatt showed some versatility there, whereas he was a little, you know, primarily an edge guy, um, you know, rushing from the outside at Kansas State. You know, he would kick inside at times, but him and Cam both were, were primarily edge guys, and, um, you know, they showed the ability to, to rush from the interior at the Senior Bowl. And then you, you interview the kid, you, you, you absolutely love him. He's all about football. He's, you know, like I said, extremely intense, physical, high-effort, high-energy guy. And, you know, he's, you know, you're looking at other positions. You're like, you know, maybe we've, maybe we've already addressed with, uh, you know, going in the seventh round, we've already, we've already drafted six linemen. Um, so you're thinking maybe that's, that's not the best fit if you're, if you're drafting for need, but I think we've done a really good job recently of drafting the best player available. Um, you know, it's similar to how we took Marcus Bailey last year in the seventh round. He just stuck out on our board as, as being the, the, you know, clearly the highest graded player available at that point and that's what why it was and i'm glad we ended up with them you know it's uh it's a situation where if, if you had if you had guys with equal grades maybe you go with the, with more of the position to need but but um this guy was was a notch or two above we thought uh the, the other guys we were considering at that spot well it was a it was a fun few days you guys have earned a rest whenever you're allowed to do that well uh uh, I'll, I'll talk to Duke and make sure that he gives you a couple extra days for dealing with me. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, congratulations to all you guys, everybody on staff over there. Uh, y'all do incredible work. Um, and I, I, you, you, you deserve some, some time off. So I hope you take it. Thanks Paul. I appreciate it. All right. Much thanks to Mike for joining us. Uh, fantastic conversation. Great insight. Uh, Sold me on Trey Hill. I'm, <laughs> I'm officially on Team Trey Hill, and I want to see him dunk. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I've, uh, I've really good stuff. I hope fans uh, in enjoyed it, and uh, we'll, we'll obviously we'll, we're we're back on track now. So uh, we'll be we'll, we'll be back before you know it, and we'll be we'll be back here. You'll be back hearing our opinions before too long. I just want to thank Mike again for for doing this. It, I know a lot of people probably think that this is like December 26th for Santa Claus or like April 16th for an accountant where they just put their feet up and relax. And to some degree, that is the case. But uh, Mike and Steven both, uh, when they were jam packed in the middle of this, uh, carving some time out to talk to me down at the Senior Bowl and now to do this long conversation with you for the podcast. Just really appreciate those guys and, and their willingness to 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 put their insight and their thoughts in, into this whole process. Yeah, currently, you know, finishing up working through undrafted free agents and aligning up their rookie minicamp and all that stuff. Still work to be done. We'll have to hit him up for a 2022 mock draft here before too long, too. I'll <laughs> uh, come back to him on that. But hopefully he takes some time off because he deserves it, along with everybody across the league, all the scouts across the league. That's not just Bengals-centric. Those yeah. guys, man, they, they they grind pretty hard, so they deserve it. All right. Uh, we'll, we, will, uh, we will be back. Um, we'll be back next week, and we'll be back to, to dive further into things. Ske- the schedule is on its way. Uh, you know, we, but we've got plenty of content that's going to be popping up on the athletic, uh, all week. And you know, there's always a chance for an emergency podcast, Jay. There's always a chance. I think there's going to be some free agent signings this week, not necessarily Bengals, but we're going to see some veterans signing this week. And it, it could be with the Bengals there. There could be something emergency worthy. You never know. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you next time when you hear that podcast. Crowd.
Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.